What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the Extra Points Podcast. Gabe Fluellen here, and welcome to our very, very first weekly review episodes, I, I, if you will. The, week one happened, everybody. Finally. Oh my goodness. It was, it was heavenly. I sat on the couch. I'm not even going to lie. I sat on the couch for probably five straight hours starting at about one just watching the game well maybe four about four hours um with my younger brother and my older brother for a little bit of time but we were just hanging out my mother came down and she was kind of doing things around but her my younger brother alex my older brother uh, myself watching some football just just enjoying it football's back baby then i got up take a shower make myself some food sat right back down to finish watching some football it was incredible. It was everything I could have finally, finally imagined. Oh my goodness. It, yeah, I, I just can't get over how much I missed football season. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys were probably the same way. It feels like it's been forever since we saw some real football. Watching the Bills game on Thursday was good enough. Getting that very first dose, but there's nothing like that first Sunday. That first full slate of games. The first red zone. Um, stream of the year with Scott Hansen or whoever. You can have him bouncing between six or seven games at a time, just watching all the highlights. And what a crazy week. I think that that is honestly the best way to describe this week, at, at least yesterday's full slate of games. It, it was incredible because at least for where I am, like I said, um, I'm from Buffalo. So um, our home game, I guess, is obviously every single time the Bills play, that's who we get. But since the Bills were in a primetime game, it was kind of up in the air as to what what 1 p.m. game we would get on our slate. And so the two that we had, at least in my household, we had the Dolphins and Patriots, which was a bore. <laughs> I cannot even, I, I couldn't even get myself really interested in it. My, my younger brother Alex and I were sitting there, my older brother was there, and we were, we were really trying to get involved. We just, we just couldn't. And then on the other network, it was the Eagles-Lions, which we I, I honestly think we would, we would have been better off watching that because it started off, and it, was, and it started off kind of slow. It was a pretty crappy game. It was just a lot of running, a lot of just dumb mistakes and stuff. Jared Goff throwing a pick. And so we kind of just shrugged that off to the side, but towards the end of the game, that game got incredible. What did it end? 38-35. to 35. The Lions looked great. Um, it kind of reminds me of last year, where they started off pretty poorly, and then got, and then came back against the 49ers. But the Eagles, yeah, they, they pulled out the win. That was an exciting game. But then, I want to say maybe at about halftime of the Dolphins-Patriots game, that's when I was like, hey, I'm, I'm just going to switch it to red zone for halftime, and we'll get caught up in the highlights, just see what's going on. But uh, my younger brother and I, we were there. My older brother left for work. We sat there and we just kept it on red zone because that was essentially when all the chaos started happening because up until then, I believe the Falcons were whooping the Saints and I was like, what? The 49ers and Bears were going blow for blow in just this defensive slog and a cyclone and that was a terrible game. Joe Burrow was getting whooped by the Steelers. He looked terrible at the time. I think it was just like a boring Ravens-Jets game. The Jags-Commanders wasn't too great. Browns were like whooping the Panthers at the time. I think the Texans were up 20-3 to um, at that time. So, yeah, it was just a lot of like really bad games, I guess. 
there were either like blowouts, like I said, where the Texans were up ahead 20 to 3, or just really close games that were just exceptionally boring, like the 49ers and Bears. And it, it just seemed like really crappy football. And I was I was kind of upset. I was thinking about just saying like, hey, maybe I'll just take a shower, get some dinner early because I have to work super early this morning. And I did. I had to w- get in for a shift at 5 a.m., which which sucked. But but really right at halftime, as soon as I turned on that red zone, it, things just erupted. The Saints exploded. The Bears and 49ers had some crazy happenings. Steelers-Bengals game started scoring all of a sudden. Eagles-Lions put up some points. Ravens finally got in the groove. Jags mounted a comeback. The Panthers mounted a comeback. Colts did the same. It was incredible. And, yeah, I mean, I know that I just started to recap a couple of the games and let you guys know what was going on, but the point is, like, every single game yesterday, it was either relatively close, it was a good game for a while, or something interesting happened, I feel like. And there's just so many talking points and so many things for me to really break down and react to. And I'm excited that, that that's what today's episode is going to be. That's what pretty much every Monday episode is going to be. It is going to be a review of the week of all the slate of games, all the big stories, storylines, etc. Stuff like that. So it's probably going to be a little bit of a longer pod. I'm okay with it. I, I love talking to you guys, even though right now I'm really just talking to myself. But... Yeah, so I, I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, hopefully, you guys don't mind too long of a podcast. Hopefully, it fuels you through a through a long gym workout or a run or a bike ride, something like that. Good work day, ride home, a commute, whatever it may be. But I, I, I'm trying to decide on how I want to start with these games, I guess. But I'm, I think I'm just going to go in order of how they... Um, I don't know. I'll just bounce around a little, I guess. Probably start with the boring ones and then get into the more exciting ones. Um, And I'll just go quickly over them all, or I'll just kind of hop around. But I guess let's start with the one that I had on on TV for the most part, and that was the Dolphins-Patriots game. And this one was one of the slower games, and it was one that we were watching, and at least the first half, it it was just a bit of a slog. And, I mean, the Dolphins were ahead, I want to say, 17 to nothing at halftime against the Patriots, and it's just really uncharacteristic to see the Patriots getting shut out against anybody, but it didn't feel like a shutout. It felt like neither team was really moving the ball that much, but at the same time, it seemed like the Dolphins just utterly dominated the Patriots, which again is very, very weird to say. And I don't know, I think on maybe the opening drive, Mac Jones just had a really... It was just a tough interception. He threw the ball up for grabs for Devontae Parker. He got tugged a little bit in the end zone, and it could have been a call, could have not been a call. Either way, it got picked off in the end zone and left the Patriots with no points. And uh, that, that, that was really it. The, the Patriots just could not get their offense moving whatsoever. They started, and I want to say their first drive, they looked good. And I was thinking, wow, maybe the Patriots can, maybe they have something here, maybe they can move it, but it seems like because for those of you who don't know, typically the first 10 to 20 plays, so maybe one to two drives of each game, the um, is scripted. So you have 20 plays that are essentially written down, and you know that that is exactly what's going to happen while the two teams are trying to figure each other out, feel each other out, and stuff like that. And it seemed like the Patriots had a great, great set of scripted plays. But as soon as maybe their first or second drive stopped, and it halted, 
they just looked terrible. It looked like they just could not adjust to what the Dolphins were throwing at them defensively. And their offense was just sluggish. It was slow. It was just bad. And Mac Jones, he was right. He completed right around two-thirds of his passes. He only had just over 200 yards, touchdown, and a pick. But he just did not look good. And his stats weren't terrible. His stats were pretty average. His quarterback rating, I want to say, was... Or his passer rating was like just below 90, which is right around average to below average. But here's the kicker. His QBR was 9.7. And now obviously QBR consists of a lot more and it's a little bit more up to interpretation. But typically QBR is a reflection of the player itself outside of the numbers. So if you take Mac Jones's numbers and statistics out of there, he had a 9.7 out of 100 as his QBR. That's horrendous. That's pitiful. And it looked like that on the television. Sure, he was making the throws that I guess he needed to do, if, if, if that makes any sense. But he, he didn't make any big plays. He had a touchdown pass. It wasn't even that crazy of a play. He, Like I said, he had the pick that wasn't directly on him, but... He was throwing people a little short, so they had to come back for it. He was almost overthrowing other people. It was a lot of checkdowns, a lot of screens and stuff like that. No really big shots except for one to Kendrick Bourne that went for 41 yards. Everything else was just extremely dink and dunk and dink and dunk. And it was just excruciating to watch his offense clunk along. Mac Jones lost a fumble. Nelson Aguilar lost a fumble. Patriots just didn't look good. And then switching over to the Dolphins' side of the ball, they looked pretty good on their first drive as well. I think that's when Tua had his touchdown. Um, or maybe it wasn't Tua, but Tua, Tua let him down the field. They, lo- they looked good. And, man, they, they put Tyreek Hill right in there. They inserted him right into the game. Tyreek Hill had almost, I want to say, 10 touches because he ran the ball once or twice. He had like eight or nine catches. He was targeted 12 times. He had almost 100 yards. And he and Jalen Waddle looked legit. Both of them had some big catches. Jalen Waddle had a touchdown. Tyreek Hill had a couple of big catches. And Jalen Waddle had a big one as well that he took and ran. Like he, he caught it and just ran it yards after catch, man. It was a killer. And we really saw it today. And I think that, that we really got to see exactly how their offense was going to go in this Mike McDaniel sort of scheme, which is you have two speedster guys in Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, like really toolsy guys who can run at jet sweeps and stuff like that. And Tua just kind of hits them on a short, flat route, and then they see what they can do with their legs. And golly, it worked. Sure, you, you could be saying, hey, that's not using Tyreek Hill to his fullest potential. Or or Jalen Waddle, for that matter. They're speedsters. They're deep threats. And Tyreek, and I mean, and Tua just through these short little slants, but that's all he needed to do. All he needed to do was get the ball into their hands and let them make a play, and he did. So while his stats aren't eye-popping, like he he was honestly relatively close to Mac Jones stat-wise. He completed like roughly a third of his passes. Um, he had a couple more yards. Um, I want to say he had like 200, ugh, 250, 260, 270, 280, something like that. He had the in the higher 200s and a touchdown and no picks. So he had a pretty average game, but he commanded the team, and hey, they won. 
They always beat the Patriots, so it wasn't too surprising. But, hey, it's, it's a good one for the Dolphins. Um, next, another one of the games, Ravens and Jets. Just, I guess, to go with the other AFC East team here. It was, it was concerning how close this was at first. Especially because yesterday morning, I'm not sure if you guys saw it, but the big story was, was that the Ravens offered Lamar Jackson a six-year contract worth... $290 million. And apparently he turned that down. And that's that's kind of ridiculous. Because six years, $290 million, that's $48.5 or so? $48.5 million a year? That's insane. That is a crap ton of money. It's a little bit less than Russell Wilson, but that is still just an incredible amount of money. And the fact that Lamar Jackson reportedly turned it down because it wasn't fully guaranteed, that's just, I don't think that's a good decision on his part. It really, really isn't because I don't think he's going to get that fully guaranteed contract, especially not at that number. And for the first half, maybe, of this game, Lamar Jackson did not look good at all. At, at halftime, it was it was 10-3. to 3. Um, He just... Lamar couldn't get anything going for at least an entire quarter. He, he looked terrible throwing the ball. He wasn't rushing the. He couldn't rush the ball at all this entire game. Eventually, he he threw a touchdown pass a little before halftime, and then the second half, I think he had um, two more touchdown passes, but it, it wasn't great. He was not impressive, and I mean his stat line is, I mean he had three touchdowns, a pick, and like 200 yards the pick was brutal it was a terrible pick and he had I think like really the only touchdown that was spectacular out of that was the long one to Rashad Bateman where Bateman just broke free but it really just raises the the concerns about the Baltimore's receiving game and they didn't look good I mean Rashad Bateman Devin Duvernay were the two leaders and it's really only because they had huge like one big catch that's it Rashad Bateman only had two catches one was 55 yards Duvernay had four one was 25 I mean Mark Andrews was almost non-existent he had he he only had like 50 yards he just didn't look good and the Ravens looked really 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 slow and they got news that their offensive tackle did unfortunately tear his ACL Jawan James He's out for the season, or towards Achilles again. So, once again, we're seeing some injuries pop up with Baltimore, and their offense didn't look spectacular, so that's pretty concerning. And then on the Jets' side of things, it, it was just about as anemic as we expected. Joe Flacco threw the ball almost 60 times, and the Jets only put up 9 points. They had a field goal in like the first half, and then... It was just terrible. I want to say Joe Flacco threw a pick in the end zone, and then he got a garbage time touchdown late, and they missed a two-point conversion or missed the extra point, something like that. Just not not a, not a good game at all. They did not look good. It was, it was bad. Even their kicking looked bad. Had a missed field goal. Like I said, the missed extra point. And that's kind of been Greg Zerline's MO ever since he got released from the Rams. It's just not good. The receiving core didn't look that great. I mean, Joe Flacco threw the ball almost 60 times, and their leading receiver had 77 yards. 
Garrett Wilson didn't look too great. Elijah Moore, for all the hype he was getting out of training camp, didn't look too great. Their running backs had issues, and it's not not a good start for the New York Jets, to, to say the least. Now, on to, I want to say, the biggest upset of this week, and honestly, yeah, I'm going to stick with that and say, well, it, it's one or two between the Titans game and this game, but the Bears pulling the upset against the 49ers. That was ridiculous. This game was kind of painful to watch because when you saw the television, how they're playing, it it was like they were playing in three inches of water. It was like a slip and slide. It was just terrible, terrible conditions. And both, both teams saw it. I mean, the quarterbacks were just throwing ducks because it was slipping out of their hands. The running backs couldn't get any traction in the ground. It, it was just a monsoon of a game, and neither team could get anything going. Justin Fields was less than 50%, two touchdowns and a pick, and ran a little bit. And Trey Lance was less than 50%, no touchdowns and a pick, and he ran a bit. So both quarterbacks honestly kind of looked like each other. They were very, very inaccurate today. Didn't really produce too much and made some mistakes. And now, obviously, I said that the Bears would be the worst team in the league in my preseason predictions. And I'm, I'm still going to stick by it, mainly because I think that that game was just such an outlier because of the weather, but also because the fact that they looked horrendous. And the 49ers did everything they could to screw themselves up and screw themselves out of that game. But... With that being said, I mean, I, I don't really want to look too much into, um, I don't, I don't really want to look too much into what the Bears did right because they didn't, they didn't do too much good, really. Neither team did. It's just the Bears managed to pull it out in the end, um, due to some unfortunate penalties, stuff like that, and just stringing some plays together. The big concern here is with the 49ers, because in my predictions, I said that I thought the 49ers would be in the Super Bowl. I think they're going to win their division, or at least I thought they did. Now, I don't want to overreact to week one because it is week one and it was in a monsoon. But with that being said, Trey Lance did not look good at all. Yes, it was raining. Gabe, the weather was terrible. They're playing in three inches of water. I know. Trey Lance still did not do anything to inspire confidence. He ran the ball well. He had 54 yards on the ground. I mean... If you want to look at that, Debo Samuel looked okay, but Elijah Mitchell got hurt and he was doing well. Trey Lance just couldn't complete a pass to save his life. And again, I know the rain, blah, 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 but he just didn't look good. They made uncharacteristic penalties, both defensively and offensively. They had a couple of stupid uh, holding offsides for their offensive line. And then on defense, they had a couple of plays where they they injured, well, not injured, but they, they, they had like a late hit. And roughing the passer, and they just gave the Bears yardage towards the end of the game and set up their own, their touchdown. And they, they really just they, they they screwed themselves out of a lot of points, and they came out flat. And so we need to see if they're going to rebound. And I don't want to sell my stock on them too quickly. It I know it's week one, but not promising whatsoever. Now, one of the other games that was pretty chaotic, I guess, to say the least, but more so in a good way. Um, 
was the Falcons and the Saints. The Falcons started off this game hot. I mean, they were firing. And I, I didn't think that the Ravens would be too, or the Falcons would be too good of a team. But Marcus Mariota came out. He looked okay. He, he was moving the ball the best he could. He was moving it on the ground even more so. And I believe he had a rushing touchdown this game. He looked pretty good. And the Falcons offense didn't look as anemic as I would have thought. I mean, Drake London looked good. Their rookie. Kyle Pitts was almost non-existent, which, which stunk for him. But it, it was nice to see a breakout of Drake London, so to speak. Not necessarily a breakout, but he had a good game, left a good impression. Cordero Patterson, God only knows how this guy is, or why I guess he's producing so much in Atlanta when this is, what, his 10th year or something like that? In no other place that he was with, the Patriots, the Vikings, the Bears, none of them could use him properly, but he's just popping off for Atlanta as a receiver slash running back. He had 22 carries, 120 yards, a touchdown, a couple catches, like, that was awesome. And but yeah, I mean the Falcons they came they got out to a very very large lead and they were up I want to say 13 at some point. And the Saints just looked terrible. They just had these dumb mistakes. Mark Ingram had a goofy fumble. Um Jameis Winston struggled right out the gate, didn't complete too many balls. He got hurt even and then we didn't know if he was going to come back. But eventually towards the end of the game the Saints rallied and oh my goodness did they rally. Jameis ended up having two touchdowns, both to Michael Thomas, who had an incredible first game back. He looked great. It was so nice to see him get in there. Chris Olave had himself a little bit of a game. He had three catches normally, but one of the biggest ones was a two-point conversion, which he caught, which was which was huge for him. And that was awesome to see. And honestly, the Saints passing game with Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, they looked pretty damn good. Jarvis Landry went off, had over 100 yards, which, just complete side note, I feel like there's so many receivers who had huge weeks this week. So many people who went over 100 yards, and it just a testament to how it's more of a passing game now. But still, either way, even Taysom Hill got involved. Not so much as a tight end, but they gave him the ball to carry it a couple of times, and he had a huge, like a monstrous gain. It was almost 60 yards. He ran it in for a touchdown eventually. Alvin Kamara was pretty productive. Mark Ingram did what he could, and like I said, he had a dumb fumble. But other than that, the Saints really came together late, which is great. Their defense scares me because I thought that the Saints' defense was going to be pretty strong for them. They did not look good. They did not touch Marcus Mariota, and their secondaries were kind of getting burnt, at least for the first half. And, I mean, they did a good job in the second half holding the Falcons only nine points, but still. So, out of this game, I mean, Saints, it's nice to see your offense kind of clicking, but your defense, which is supposed to be kind of where your bread is buttered, I guess, that was supposed to be your thing this year. And Cameron Jordan, you guys have had some big names. It's supposed to be your strong suit. Dennis Allen, he's a defensive guy. So... How are you going to let the Falcons put up 26 points? It's a little scary to me. But still, good game for the Saints. Showing grit, coming back. It's awesome for them. Super, super good. Nice for them to get a win. And kind of, it's just nice to not choke away that that uh, lead, that or that, what do you call it? 
I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. You don't want to lose a game to your division rival week one is essentially what I'm saying. And the Saints, who were supposed to dominate this game against a bad Falcons team, or at least supposedly bad one, they're pretty lucky to come out with a win here, but it was a great team win. Now, for a shocker, but a game that I would like to say that I actually did predict, and this one was crazy, and that is the Steelers versus the Bengals. Now, by predict, I say I thought that the Steelers would cover the spread, which is six and a half points. And I was like, that, that number's too large. The Steelers are, have too good of a defense, blah, blah, blah. And I said the Steelers could win. I didn't say that they would, but I said that they would definitely cover the spread and they would have a shot at winning. And boy, did they ever. They dominated the Bengals in the first half and, essentially, and really in the second half too. But the, the Bengals kind of, kind of, I guess, just had things go their way towards the end there. They got a couple favorable calls. But even, even outside of that, I think the Steelers just kind of let them hang around in the game. Their offense kind of stalled out after Najee Harris got injured, even though thankfully he is supposed to be back soon. But at halftime, the Steelers were up by 11 points. And then coming out of it, the Steelers couldn't do a thing on offense that entire second half, and the Bengals clawed their way back into it with a touchdown, two-point conversion, and what, two field goals or something like that? But... The, the chaos kind of happened towards the end of the game. And that was when, um, I want to say, Chris Boswell missed a game-winning field goal or something like that. Or one of the kickers missed a game-winning field goal. Or, no, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm getting confused with the Green Bay game last year because those two games just kind of seem exactly the same. The Cincinnati Bengals scored a last-second touchdown with like four seconds left. Not even. And that put it up 20-20, to 20, and the Bengals are still about to kick their extra point. And so, I mean, you have Evan McPherson, you're like, hey, it's essentially a gimme, the Bengals just won. However, there was news that apparently the Bengals didn't have their long snapper for some reason. So, they're using a backup tight end. I remember talking to my brother, I was like, well, they have a backup tight end, but I doubt it matters. And then the Steelers block the extra point. Game's going to overtime. We were like, wow, that's insane. Steelers got the ball first, couldn't do a thing, couldn't move it still. Punted to the Bengals. The Bengals got into field goal range. And I was like, wow, can't believe the Bengals won. And then, man, did McPherson miss that kick. And we were like, holy crap, that, that's, that's crazy. And then the Steelers got the ball. And I remember because they, they got down to the end, they lined up to, um, to kick that extra point, or not the extra point, they went to go and kick the game-winning field goal. And there was like a minute or so left, I want to say. Or no, maybe, maybe not a minute or so left. I'm getting all these games confused. But they, they lined up to kick it with maybe maybe two and, a half, two and a half minutes left. And I kid you not, my younger brother told me, he was like, I feel like he's going to dink it off the upright. And I was like, yeah, I mean, Chris Boswell's an older kicker, so the range is kind of crazy. It was only like 55 yards, but I was like, he's a little older, so maybe he doesn't have the distance, but he's a great kicker. He'll he'll make it. And sure enough, like my little brother said, dinked right off the upright, and he missed. Then the Bengals get it back. Then the Bengals need a punt. And at this point, we're like, oh my God. There's like hardly any time left. There's like not even a minute left, I feel like, when the Steelers got the ball back. And then sure enough, Steelers get their way downfield. 
line up to kick that game-winning field goal, and Chris Boswell is good, and the Steelers won it. A crazy, crazy game. A crazy, crazy finish. It was insanity. It was it was such a fun game to watch. It was, like I said, it was just reminiscent of the Bengals-Packers game from last year, where it was missed field goal after missed field goal after missed field goal. Just ridiculous, except... Once again, the Bengals came out on the the losing side of things, which really sucks for them. But more so the story in this is, are the Bengals, I guess the overreaction would be, are the Bengals just frauds? Was their Super Bowl run a fraud? Um, Was it fraudulent? And I don't want to say that their Super Bowl run was fraudulent, but I don't think that they're as good of a team as a lot of people are making them out to be. And now when I went over my preseason predictions, I didn't have the Bengals making the playoffs. I had them, mm, I think 11-6 and six is what I said. And that, that that's by no means a bad team. It's better than the record they had last year. It's just last year, they caught fire in the playoffs and went all the way to the Super Bowl, eventually losing it. And then everybody started to hail Joe Burrow as the next big thing and Joe Cool just because he has a cigar and cool outfits and stuff. And this whole offseason, I've been saying... Cool it. It was one season. We need to see it again. And sure enough, week one, Joe Burrow comes out and throws four picks and fumbles. He had five turnovers. Threw the ball over 50 times. Sacked seven times. He was terrible. Terrible. Yesterday. And yes, he had two touchdowns, which make his numbers look a little less bad, but... For the most part, I don't, I don't want to say they're garbage time touchdowns, but they came towards the end of the game when they were just chucking the ball all over the yard trying to play catch up it to win this thing. Jamar Chase, he's a stud. Over 100 yards, a touchdown, we knew that. The rest of their team, I mean, T. Higgins went out and their offense just couldn't move. Eventually down the line, they had Tyler Boyd and like Hayden Hurst and Joe Mixon start to participate more out of the pass game, but... They can't just rely on only Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is a stud, but they targeted him 16 times. You can't do that. He's at the point, he's that kind of receiver where he's going to get doubled. He's going to have safety help whenever he's supposed to be catching the ball. So it, it's just the, the Bengals, you, you need to watch out for them. And not in a good way, as in... Hey, these guys can... Well, I mean, they can win any week. It's just there's a lot more flaws than a lot of people want to accept with this team. Their O-line, yes, it's brand new. Yes, they signed a lot of people, but they still need a gel. They still need to somehow gain some cohesion. And we saw that they didn't have it. And yeah, it's, it's, it's scary. It's only week one again, but still, scary sight for Bengals fans. And then speaking of scary sights... The injuries for the Steelers. Najee Harris, like I mentioned earlier, he hurt his ankle. He's supposed to be okay. He's hopefully going to be back next week is what the report is. But the big concern is TJ Watt, who towards the end of the game made a tackle or something like that and did was just slow to get up. And they think it's a torn pectoral, which would likely end his season. So obviously we hope that that is not the case. But still waiting to hear on that. Now, next up on the docket, we're going to go to the other game that I had and I watched a little bit of, Eagles-Lions. This game was, the the Lions started hot. The Lions started, I believe they got a touchdown on their first drive, just ran it down their throats. And then, then the counterattack kind of began. 
the Eagles whoop started just whooping them. Three touchdowns in a row, made it 21 to 7. Lions eventually got another one in before halftime, and then Eagles got the ball back and made something happen in the two-minute drill. And then it was 24 to 14, and I was pretty much saying, like, okay, the Eagles are gonna start to pull away now. The the Lions kind of had that um had their spirited little push, I guess you would say, but they're just going to go back to being a not-so-great team like we expected. But that didn't exactly happen. I mean, the Eagles then sure did kind of... I mean, I mean, they put up what? I want to say two scores in the third quarter as well. The Lions scored in there, but they were still ahead 38 to something at the time. Then in the fourth quarter, the Lions really turned it on. They had... I mean, it could have been just garbage time similar to... Last season, about the 40, about like when the 49ers played them and stuff like that, when they just scored late and made it look a lot closer than it was. But towards the end of the game, I mean, put in two touchdowns, made it 38 to 35, but then eventually Eagles got the ball back and were just able to drain out the clock. And there's not really much that I could take away from this game because it, it, it was weird. The Eagles' defense, which I thought was going to be incredible, they looked good. But they also let up 35 points to the Lions. They had a pick, and it seemed like they were playing well. And they should have had more picks and almost had a ton of sacks. But like Jared Goff just barely got out, or he threw it away, or got the ball away in time. And so the defense kind of doesn't look too hot in this light. But more so, the, the big thing is Detroit was just running the ball at will. DeAndre Swift was just a monster from his first carry or so when he had the long 50-yard gun, like a ripper that he just took off. Jamal Williams was consistent, and Jared Goff was a decent game manager. Um, however, for the Eagles on offense, that's where I think it's promising. Once again, everyone, the, the big question was Jalen Hurts. Is he going to mature enough as a passer to take this team where they need to go? And... I don't think we got that answered yesterday. He was a little over 50%, little under 250 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He was harshly mediocre. But on the ground, he added another almost 100 yards and a touchdown. But not only that, there were four different running backs slash runners on Philadelphia that carried the ball and all of them scored a touchdown. Miles Sanders had one, Jalen Hurts had one, Kenneth Gainwell had one, and um, what's his name? Not not Bart Scott, Boston Scott. He had one as well. So their run game looks just as incredible as it did last year. Most of that's because of their incredible offensive line, and they just looked great. Jalen Hurts was only sacked once. Their off their running game was just incredible. So that's that's amazing for them. And then also, AJ Brown. We knew that he came in. We knew that he was going to be a big. A big factor in this offense, but we didn't know how big. It looks like that connection that he and Jalen Hurts had just t- picked up right where it left off. 10 catches, 155 yards. Ridiculous. A.J. Brown had his way this game. The only thing that's co- that's kind of concerning is that out of everybody else, Dallas Goddard had three catches. And then the only other people to catch a ball were running backs. Devonta Smith was targeted four times, zero catches. I think Zach Pascal actually was a receiver. He might have had one catch. So outside of AJ Brown, they don't really have much option at much like production at receiver. 
And could that be because Jalen Hurts didn't do too great in the pass game? Sure, but you'd still want to see more consistency in the pass catching room there. A lot of concerns, I guess. The Eagles didn't show up as much as I expected them to, but um, due to some things that we're going to go over a little bit later, the path for them to win the division is clearer than ever, and they should really just walk right to the bank with it. Next up, Jaguars-Commanders. This game was... Uh, it was a pretty bad game up until late. Um, it was kind of just back and forth. Commanders started hot. Jags started slow. Then the Jaguars mounted a comeback. Then the Commanders kind of came back and won it. And the, the story of the game is really Carson Wentz. I mean, let's let's start there. Let's start on the Commanders side of things. Carson Wentz threw just over 40 times. He had four touchdowns. His first four-touchdown game since, get this, he was on the Eagles in 2017 when he should have won the MVP, and the last time he threw four touchdowns was in that game when he tore his ACL. That was so long ago. That was four-plus years ago. And he finally, four-plus, three-plus, one of the two. I think four, because it was in 2017. But he finally had a four-touchdown game. He threw two picks both of which were awful, and it looked like it was old Carson once again where he's just going to throw the picks at the worst times and get himself and his team screwed out of a victory, but no, he actually managed to take him back and win it this time. And Antonio Gibson, for as much as I've been kind of poking fun at him over the offseason and stuff, he looked great. He was catching the ball like mad. He ran well on the ground. That was awesome. And then Curtis Samuel coming back off an injury, um, a receiver that they traded for and paid a decent amount. He looked good. Terry McLaurin was kind of was kind of hush hush this whole game, but I think that that's because Curtis Samuel and Antonio Gibson were going off in the passing game. But McLaurin still had a big play where he got a long touchdown, and then the rookie, Jahan Dotson. I was very high on this guy as a receiver, even though he was taken. I don't know. He was kind of like pushed down the hierarchy of all the receivers in my opinion but I, I i stuck with him and i was saying i think this guy can be special and sure enough he had three catches but two of them were touchdowns in his very first game ever two of them were very they were great catches clutch touchdown to win the game it was awesome it was great to see washington commanders your defense didn't look great once again but if your offense plays well and limits carson Wentz's mistakes you guys could be a force as for the jaguars they're pretty anemic. I mean, they couldn't run the ball too well. I mean, well, I say they couldn't run the ball too well, but th- that that's not true. James Robinson had a good amount of yards. Travis Etienne, he didn't have too many carries. He had one large one, but he made him count. But they just couldn't run it enough to make a difference and take the pressure off Lawrence. Because Lawrence still had to throw the ball a ton of times. And he did look better. He didn't have as many picks as you would have thought last year, but... He had a touchdown and a pick. And he, all of his new receivers, getting them all kind of integrated, I guess, because of all the ones that they brought in, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, all those guys getting ETN back, it, it they, they need, they're going to need some time to click. But I guess, I guess it was promising to see Lawrence's, I guess, rapport with a couple of them. Christian Kirk, who everyone was making fun of for having a bad contract, he had over 100 yards, so, I mean, that's a pretty damn good first showing for him. Zay Jones looked pretty good. Marvin Jones was solid and consistent. Evan Ingram had a couple targets. So they looked okay. It's just they just lack that explosive game changer still. Kirk, he looks like he could be a good receiver. 
Zay Jones looks like he'll be an average number two. Marvin Jones looks like an average number two. Evan Engram looks like an average tight end. It, it There's just no special, and I think that that's what's really, really going to hurt the Jaguars, especially with Trevor Lawrence. And they hurt themselves down the stretch. They didn't capitalize. They missed a field goal, and they had like a fourth and one on the goal line, which they didn't convert. If you would have kicked the field goal there and made the other field goal, it would have been 28 to 28. Whole different game. Now, I'm not saying that, hey, at the time they shouldn't have, or they should have kicked it or something like that, but they the point is they screwed themselves out of some points, and in the end it came back to cost them. And while I thought it would have been cool for the Jaguars to come out on top and win this game, Commanders, they earned it. Now, Browns versus Panthers. This game was underwhelming to say the least. It was supposed to be a huge, incredible just comeback game for Baker Mayfield. Really stick it to the Browns, make them look bad, but it was also supposed to be the Browns like showing up and showing out and they still have a loaded roster, blah, blah, blah. But it was just, I guess sloppy is the best way to put it. Um, on Carolina's side, they didn't look too great, and the game was just, it, it, it started as a blowout for the Browns, and the Browns were up, I want to say, by like 17 at one point or something like that, and then Baker Mayfield eventually got the ball rolling late and came back late, but Mayfield started horribly. He was like 5 of 13 or something with a pick. He didn't look good until the very end. Christian McCaffrey, I know that I said that he could be comeback player of the year, but he just was not running the ball well at all. And maybe it's because they were they were just trying to limit his workload and stuff like that, but he only had 10 carries, only had 33 yards. And in the passing game, he only had four catches for 24. And that's just not that great. Baker Mayfield, he did all right. He had one long ball to Robbie Anderson, but other than that, his receivers didn't really do too much, and they were very, very underwhelming, and so was he. And with all that being said... They still were winning with, essentially at the buzzer, the the Panthers were winning. Baker Mayfield took them all the way back, and they were up like 24 to 23 with a couple of seconds left, and then some untimely penalty on Brian Burns for roughing the passer gave the Browns just enough yardage for their rookie to hit a game-winning field goal winning the game. Now, on the Browns side, yeah, it, I think it's time to call the season. And it, I mean, Amari Cooper was their big, big ad he was non-existent. David Njoku, they signed him to a big contract. He was non-existent. Nick Chubb did what he could on the ground, but, I mean, he still, I, in, in today's day and age, you can't just win solely with a running back. Kareem Hunt did what he could as well on the ground and through the air, but they just didn't look good. The defense had, they had some sacks. They had like four sacks. Miles Garrett looked great, but, man, what a fall from grace. And you really see it, that with Jacoby Brissett, he can game manage perfectly. I guess. Maybe not perfectly, but he can game manage. And that's all he did today. And it was against the Panthers, who are not supposed to be a great team. I know I've said that I have a lot of faith in them, that they could be good. But when you have a quarterback that can hardly throw, that can not even throw for 150 yards on 34 attempts, you can't give Nick Chubb 22 carries and Kareem Hunt 11 every single week. What happens when you get down and you need to pass the ball? Jacoby Brissett can't do that. And yeah, I mean, they won today, but or they won yesterday, but 
just not looking good. I think that the Browns are pretty much toast. Panthers, that, that's that's a heartbreaker because you need to win all that you can. So, I don't know, just a rough game for both sides. Now one of the bigger, crazy games, I guess, um, in the early slate, the tie between the Colts and the Texans. I was high on Davis Mills at the end of last year. I was high on him going into it this year. And I said before this game, I said, don't be surprised if the Texans can pull an upset here. And for pretty much the entire game, it looked like they would. They dominated the Colts. The Colts looked pitiful. Matt Ryan did not look good at all for 99% of this game. Jonathan Taylor started very slow. And the Colts, were their offense just wasn't clicking. And the Texans were. Davis Mills looked great. I think he showed a lot of promise. I mean, he trailed off towards the end and couldn't complete a lot of the balls down the stretch, but he started very well. Um, The Texans couldn't run the ball, and they were still really destroying the Colts until the very, very end when Matt Ryan finally managed to bring them back. Both Matt Ryan and his connection to Michael Pittman, which looked incredible, and Jonathan Taylor, who finally got it going late. But a tie the Colts were supposed to destroy the Texans and the Colts I don't know why but they've always sucked week one these past few years they lost it last year I think they got pretty they they got their butts kind of handed to them last year remember the year before that they lost to the Jaguars who went on to not win another game that entire season and the Colts just can't seem to come out of the gates hot And I know it's because they have a new quarterback, and that's probably why over the past few years they haven't. They've had a new quarterback week one every single week. Yes, they had Shaq Leonard out on defense, and it was probably just a lot of time getting used to each other, I guess, on offense and on defense. But they need another weapon outside of Michael Pittman. And, I mean, receiver-wise, they really, really do. And... I just, I, I just don't know who they're going to turn to. Their rookie, um, Alec Pierce, I don't think he looked too great. Um, they were trying they were trying to get the ball to tight ends and stuff like that. It wasn't really working. It it was really the bulk of his passes came from came to Michael Pittman and his running backs and Naheem Hines and um, Jonathan Taylor. So some big concerns with the Colts, but with the Colts and Texans tying, I mean now they're both number one and number two in the division. So, I mean, do that, do with that as you will. And for the other team in the division, the Titans, who I said, potentially, they, they could be a pretty darn bad team if things don't go their way because they had all those injuries. Obviously, they lost A.J. Brown and stuff like that. And they played the Giants yesterday, and they lost. Was it close? Yeah, the, the Giants won by one point. But, dear God, you guys were the number one seed in the AFC. Derrick Henry, King Henry, all offseason just hearing about how he's finally back and he's going to be healthy and everything. He was below four yards per carry. They really couldn't get anything going on the ground. Ryan Tannehill was Ryan Tannehill. An average amount of yards, two touchdowns, that's it. And their receiving core just, I mean, it's just a bunch of kind of no-name guys. Phillips, Dontrell Hilliard, Traylon Burks. Craig Hollister, Jeff Swaim, Robert Woods didn't do anything. Nick Westbrook-Akina didn't do anything. Chikuma Okwanko, Okonkwo, he, he didn't do anything. Austin Hooper didn't do anything. 
just all their biggest names that they needed to step up. They needed Austin Hooper to step up at that tight end spot. They needed Robert Woods and Traylon Burks to step up as wide receivers. They needed Derrick Henry to carry the team as running back, and neither of them could, so they lost. Now, what does that mean for the Titans? Nothing good. They're Losing this game that was supposed to be one of the easier games for them, it's going to put them behind in the race to win the division. Now, thankfully it wasn't to a division rival, like it wasn't to the Texans or to the Jags, but still... When you have a game against the Giants or someone like that, you're supposed to win that, and it's supposed to help you. And with the schedule that the Titans have as the number one seed in the AFC, they have a difficult one. With how the Jaguars, Texans even, how they looked, they don't look like they're going to be pushovers anymore. The Colts, they shouldn't be a pushover. Things are looking bleak for the Titans. I know it's week one, but this has been coming all offseason. And I know that people say that, or at least Titans fans think that they get too much hate or they don't get respected enough, but this is why. You need to win these games. You need to. And for the Giants, they were supposed to be bad. They were supposed to be a terrible team this year. They were supposed to be rebuilding Brian Dable's first year. And they didn't look terrible. They started off a little rough, but they came back and Daniel Jones flashed when it mattered. He was 17 to 21. That's that's pretty damn good. I'm trying to do the math off the top of my head. That's all that's damn near 80% completion. If not a little bit over. He only had 188 yards, but you, you, you compound that with two touchdowns, he threw a really bad interception. He looked more like just just like a game manager, but that's really all they need. And their offensive line held up for the most part in the run game. In the pass game, it was different. Daniel Jones was just getting clobbered. But they held up in the rush game for Saquon Barkley, who looked like his old self again. 18 carries, 164 yards and a touchdown, 6 catches for 30 yards. Saquon Barkley looked back. That was awesome to see. Awesome. And if the Giants' O-line can hold up behind Saquon Barkley and Barkley can stay healthy, the, the Giants could be a team to beat. Well, not maybe not a team to beat, but they can be one of those more frustrating teams to play because if you have a home run threat like Saquon Barkley and a decent defense like they played, like they played pretty good defense, hey, I mean, they, they'll, they'll be in it more often than they're out of it. And I think that that's really promising. And it's a it's a big win for Brian Dable with his first ever win as a head coach and his first game as a head coach. So for Giants fans, I have a buddy who's a Giants fan. He was not, he was really, really excited. I think that it gives them some good positive momentum to start off this year. Now, Packers-Vikings, all I want to say is I called it. The Vikings would win. I didn't think it would be like this, though. The Packers looked terrible. And I don't know what it is with the Packers in Week 1, but they just do not seem to show up in week one, Aaron Rodgers was 22-34, not even 200 yards. He threw a pick, and as soon as he threw that interception, I told my little brother, yeah, he's done for. It was like 20-0. to It's like, yeah, he has the talent to come back, but he won't. Because as much as I love Aaron Rodgers, when he gets down and he gets behind, especially if it starts to look like a blowout, it seems like he just gives up. And he'll take himself out and he'll preserve himself, which I understand. But it was 20-0 to at half. It wasn't 20-0 to with five minutes left in the fourth quarter. 
A half is a lot of time in football, and someone as incredible as Aaron Rodgers should be able to make that up. And we saw him, like, in the first drive out of half, he scored a touchdown, but the game just kind of got away from him there. And I know Christian Watson running wide open, should have been a 75-yard touchdown, dropped it, pitiful. And I really don't think Aaron Rodgers looked back to him that game. He had, like, two catches that entire game, and, yeah, I mean, we, we just really saw it. We, we, we can see what, what, what a hole, I guess, Devontae Adams leaves. There was no receiver one. There really, really wasn't. Alan Lazard was out, I know, but their leading receiver was A.J. Dillon, the running back, who, by the way, A.J. Dillon, he seems to be the number one back now. Forget about Aaron Jones. But Romeo Dobbs, Robert Tanyan, Christian Watson, Jacob DeGuara, Aaron Jones, Sammy Watkins, none of them were able to pick up the slack that Devontae Adams left. And did I expect any of them to? No. But I thought that in the aggregate, maybe they could. And they weren't able to. And that defense that the Packers were supposed to have that's supposed to be incredible, that was good last year, but everyone's saying, oh, well, we have Jair Alexander back, and we drafted Quay Walker, and, and Rasul Douglas, we re-signed him, and Kenny Clark, we have him. They have a lot of big names. Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Rashawn Gary, Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Rasul Douglas, Kenny Clark, Preston Smith. Adrian Amos, I can keep going. Oh my goodness! I'm look at look at me like rattling off like half their defense. Who's the other guy that they drafted? Um, Wyatt or someone like that? The other Georgia guy. They're supposed to be great. They didn't look great at all. They got cooked. Week one, yes, worrisome, yes. The Vikings, on the other hand, looked pretty much how I expected them to. Honestly, Kirk Cousins was good. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback, everybody. I hate to break it to you. I know that a lot of people don't like Kirk Cousins. Well, guess what? This is just what he does. He throws for around 300 yards. He's always good for two to three touchdowns, and occasionally he'll throw a pick, and that's exactly what he did today. About 300 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Delvin Cooks looked good on the ground. Alexander Madison looked good on the ground. And the one thing that I realized... After I made my prediction episode last, um, yeah, I th- what was it, Saturday? I kind of forgot about Justin Jefferson in my Offensive Player of the Year prediction. I don't, I don't even think I mentioned him. And, hey, maybe he heard my podcast, maybe he's, maybe he's tuning in. And that just pissed him off because, my God, was this dude on fire. Nine catches, 184 yards, and two touchdowns. He had like 150 in two TDs at halftime. They just could not stop him. Whatever game plan they had, they need to rip it up, throw it out, and just never look at that again. Justin Jefferson had his way. And that's really all Kirk Cousins needed to do was look at Justin Jefferson and find him. And in the off chance that they actually decided to cover him, he had Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, people like that to throw to as well. They looked great, and I loved it. Their defense... Stifled Aaron Rodgers. What can you say? They looked good. Is it sustainable? I don't know because they didn't look otherworldly, I guess. Um, It was more so just a byproduct of the Packers' offense looking bad. But when you have an offense that was firing on all cylinders like the Vikings were, wow, they're going to be able to go far. Can the Packers win the division still? Yes. Is it a big one for the Vikings? Still, yes. Big things for that team. Just like I said earlier. Now, this game was 
Man, it, w- it was just ridiculous. The Chiefs versus the Cardinals. Going into this week, some things I wanted to look for were how the Packers would cope without Devontae Adams and how the Chiefs would cope without Tyree Kill. Seeing what the Packers looked like, it seems like Devontae Adams meant the world to that team. Seeing what the Chiefs looked like, it seems like Tyreek Hill meant nothing to that team. Now, obviously Tyreek Hill is a great player and he means a lot to the Chiefs' offense, but their offense didn't miss a beat. The Chiefs put up 44 points against the Cardinals. 44-21, the Chiefs won. Patrick Mahomes threw for over 350 yards and five touchdowns. He was incredible. He was magical. He, it, it, I, I don't even know what to say. We were thinking, who will become the, Ty, the Tyreek Hill? Who's going to be that guy that has the big play? Well, to be honest, none of them. There was no long bomb in this game by Patrick Mahomes. There wasn't some guy breaking the defense for 150 million yards. It wasn't any of that. But there was a lot of people taking what they got. And there was a lot of, oh, hey, I'm open. Oh, boom, I'll hit you for 30 yards. Uh, and then I'll take an 8-yarder here, a 10-yarder here, and then boom, Travis Kelsey for 35. And then eh, 5 here, 10 here, boom, Juju for 20. 5 here, 10 here, boom, Marquez Valdez-Scantling for 15. I mean, it was just crazy. All the people that they brought in, Juju, he had 79 yards. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 4 for 44 yards. Sky Moore had a big catch for 30 yards. Just so many people making plays. Travis Kelsey was obviously the main... Well, Travis Kelsey was just Travis Kelsey. 8 catches, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 2 touchdowns. Finally looking like he's doing something for that team. McCole Hardman had a touchdown. Joey Fortson had a touchdown. Kansas City ran the ball well. Isaac Pacheco, the rookie that they like, he had about 62 yards. He had a touchdown. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire ran the ball well. Jerick McKinnon looked okay. The Chiefs' offense looks incredible. And a thing that I guess we're kind of looking over is how great their defense looked as well. I mean, man. They, they only had three sacks, which, I mean, I say only, but... They hit Kyler Murray a decent amount of times. Their secondary played lights out. They had a bunch of pass breakups. And they just frustrated the Cardinals the whole time. The Cardinals could not move the ball well. And, yeah, I mean, bravo, Chiefs. As of right now, they're they're still the class of the AFC. I know the Bills looked great. Chiefs, they're still, they're still the Chiefs. Tyree Kill or not. And that was incredible. Now, for the Cardinals, they just looked flat. They just couldn't hang with a team like the Chiefs. Is that expected? Yeah. I mean, Kyler Murray, he didn't look good at all. Less than 200 yards, two touchdowns, no picks or anything. But, I mean, they couldn't get anything going in the air. Couldn't get anything going on the ground. James Conner had 10 carries, only 26 yards. Kyler Murray had a couple of scrambles. That was really it. And... Man, does their receiving core look anemic. Marquise Brown, they brought him in, and yes, he scored a touchdown. He really couldn't carry a thing. Zach Ertz, he's always there. He had a touchdown, but he had, like, no yards. Their leading receiver had 63 yards. Greg Dortch. 
without DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray is not a good quarterback. And I hate to say it, but I'm beginning to think that that's true. And they, they just kind of looked helpless out there. And they got down really, really quickly, and they just they just couldn't come back. They scored in garbage time. It was 37-7 to before the Cardinals decided to score some more points. I mean, come on. I know the AFC is loaded, but the Cardinals looked like they just couldn't hang, and they really couldn't. So, Cardinals didn't look great. Chiefs, holy crap, are they scary. Now, the final game in the 425 slate, for me at least being on the East Coast, was the Chargers and the Raiders, and it was a pretty good game. I enjoyed it. I, I think it went just about how I thought. It was a dogfight because... This division is going to be insane, and I mean, in the end, I think the better team won. Justin Herbert had three touchdowns. He was pretty darn accurate, as always. He showed off his arm, showed off his rushing ability a little bit, just trying to evade people, be elusive. And other, I mean, the, the, the Chargers couldn't run the ball whatsoever, but we kind of expected that. What they could do is, even though Keenan Allen did go down early, Everyone else stepped up. Gerald Everett, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams. I mean, none of these guys had a ton of yards, but they got open when they needed to, and they made the catches when they needed to. And that was enough for them to win. The Raiders, on the other hand, honestly, they lost themselves this game. It was theirs for the taking. They lost by five, and Derek Carr had three picks. It, it was it was bad. They were They just didn't look ready. And yes, the Raiders, their, their offensive line looked terrible. But I, I, I don't know. They just, I, I just, they, they really lost themselves this game, and it kind of stinks to see. Devontae Adams, I mean, he looked incredible. He looked, he, he just went to Derek Carr and made Derek Carr kind of look like Aaron Rodgers, minus all the picks. Their connection looked great. Adams had like 10 catches, about 141 yards, a touchdown. He looked awesome. But he had 17 targets out of 37 throws. That's that, that that's a little concerning when he is that much of your offense. What happened to Hunter Renfro? He only had six targets and three catches. You had Darren Waller, who just signed that big contract extension. He showed up a little bit, but you're supposed to have Adams, Waller, Renfro, Jacob. It was supposed to be like a three-headed monster with Jacobs in the backfield as well. And it looked more like a three-headed monster, but only one of the heads can eat. <laughs> I mean, Devontae Adams looked great, yes. Darren Waller did what he could. Hunter Renfro didn't do much. And in the end, it just, I mean, car broke down. <laughs> the, the car broke down, I guess is what we're going to go with. He had three really, really costly picks. And in the end, that's what cost him the game. So, Chargers... They looked good, but they, they have the Chiefs this week on Thursday Night Football. They're going to need to be more than prepared, and they're going to need to play a lot better than they did in order to beat the Chiefs, um, at least how we saw the Chiefs against the Cardinals. And then finally, from the sun, it would be the fun, Sunday Night Football game. Obviously, I'm recording this on Monday, so I'm not going to get to the Seahawks-Broncos. I'll probably re- recap that on Wednesday while I also review preview the Thursday night game a little bit more in depth but 
the story of this game is not, it really has nothing to do with the game. It was a bad game. Both teams, I think, looked terrible. I don't think either team looked good at all. But the Cowboys, their season's all, it's pretty much over as quickly as it started. Dak Prescott, the, the news just came out today that, uh, what's his name, that Dak Prescott hurt his hand, his wrist, his thumb, something like that. It's conflicting reports because you see some that say it's a wrist injury. I've seen some things saying that it's his thumb. But the point is he's getting surgery on it and he will miss six to eight weeks. The Cowboys are done. With Dak, they looked pitiful. Dak was 50%, not even 150 yards in a pick. He looked horrible. Then Cooper Rush comes in, is essentially the same. 50%, 64 yards. He looks terrible. And he's he's Cooper Rush. I mean, I, I, I like him. but And really the only reason that I like him is because I remember being in high school. I had a buddy who had the same name. And he was like, oh, like I, I like Cooper Rush because he has my name. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I like Cooper Rush too. And he had like a sweet mustache at the time. So we're like, yeah, this, this is my dude. But Cooper Rush is not a good quarterback. Um, he's not a starting quarterback in this league, at least. I shouldn't say he's not a good one. He's in the NFL. He's good, but he's not a starting quarterback. And he cannot carry the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys, their offensive line looked terrible. Zeke did the best that he could, but... They got down so quickly that they had to pass the ball, and when you have Dak Prescott playing poorly and a Cooper Rush, you're not going to do much. Throwing the ball either. They threw the ball a total of 42 times and had 173 total yards, 4.7 yards in attempt. That's not good. And Zeke, like I said, he looked pretty damn average. Their receiving core with no Amari Cooper, no Cedric Wilson, no James Washington, no Michael Gallup, it, it, was, it was terrible. C.D. Lamb was targeted 11 times, and he had two catches. What? Dalton Schultz, supposed to be your breakout year. Seven catches, 62 yards. That, that's not bad, but the, the, most of it came in garbage time. Noah Brown is your leading receiver. You guys just... It was just not good. It was just terrible to watch. And you managed three points. Not, not a good sign. Not at all a good sign. And then getting over to the Buccaneers, I mean, they just kind of looked slow and lethargic. At least their offense did. They had a pretty good defensive showing. But offensively, I mean, Tom Brady was about 66%, a little over 200 yards. He had a touchdown and a pick. He just looked done. And by that, I mean, he looked like he didn't want to be there. Yeah, he had his let's effing go shout in the beginning. But on the field, he didn't look like, it's just weird. When he was playing, he didn't really look like Tom Brady because he wasn't doing too great, but he wasn't emoting, he wasn't yelling, he wasn't getting pissed off, he wasn't hyping people up, he was just kind of, okay, this is what's happening, what can I do? It, it was just weird to see. They ran the ball very well, but, I mean, Chris Godwin, he was essentially a non-factor, apparently he, he re-injured something. Uh, and then Mike Evans and Julio Jones were the two other beneficiaries getting about 70 yards apiece, and then everyone else did essentially nothing. And not only that, but add on top of it, um, Donovan Smith just hyperextended his elbow, and so we don't know if he's going to be playing either. So Bucks and Cowboys, yes, the Bucks won. Yes, they won by 16. I would be I would be worried if I was both of them. The Cowboys obviously more so because they're starting quarterbacks out. Cowboys, I hate to say it, you guys are done. You're not winning the division. 
You're done. And that's why I said that I think it's the Eagles to walk to. The Eagles should walk to a division victory. Or division, yeah, victory. Winning the division, they should. Because if you're the Cowboys and you have Dak out for six to eight weeks, that means you have a backup against the Bengals, against the Giants' defense, which is solid, against the Commanders, against the Rams, against the Eagles. And then, I mean, the Packers. Then you have the Bears and Lions in there. But, hell, the, the Lions went head-to-head with the Eagles. Bears just beat the 49ers. What can you do with the backup? I guess we'll have to see. And with that being said, that is what I have for you guys today. That is our week one review. Man, just, oh, incredible games. Some really, really fun games to watch, even though a lot of them started off boring or were boring, like like the Sunday night game. So many storylines, so many things happening. It's a blur. It's it's Everything's happening so quick. Everything's coming. And guess what? It's Monday. Chiefs, Ch- Chiefs Chargers play Thursday. That means we only have Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday night will be. So what, three days, four days? It's incredible. Football's in full swing, baby. I'm loving it. But yeah, hope you guys enjoyed. Um, once again, you guys can find me wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, you name it. You can find me anywhere. Leave a comment, leave a review. Let me guys know what you think of the pod. I thoroughly enjoy it. Really appreciate your feedback. Everything like that helps me out a lot. Follow me on Instagram, Gabe underscore Flewellen, G-A-B-E underscore F-L-E-W-E-L-L-Y-N. Um, shoot me some DMs. Um, shoot me your overreactions. I want to hear those. It's always my favorite thing, especially after week one. Let me hear all the overreactions you have. Cannot wait. Love talking football with you guys. Love everything about it. And yeah, I hope to have another episode for you guys out Wednesday, maybe sooner if some crazy stuff happens, but definitely at least Wednesday where we're going to be previewing the Thursday night game, going over a little bit of the news and a couple more things that I need to get off my chest, at least that we learned from this game, this or these games this past week. So hope you guys have a good one. Hope you guys had an incredible weekend. Enjoyed the football, enjoyed time with your family, friends, the weather, you name it. Hope you guys had a good one. Peace.